parents don't have rights, not parents' rights. Kids have rights. One of your alters not being trans while the rest of them are, that doesn't invalidate anyone's gender. And queer baiting, in my opinion, is unnecessary and totally avoidable. Hey guys, Brad here, and welcome back to Damage Control, my podcast where we are reclaiming the conversation on LGBT issues from the far leftists and extreme right-wingers who've taken it over. Today, we're talking about an absurd conspiracy theory recirculating that President Obama was a gay crackhead, an idiotic warning from the Canadian government to avoid the United States, and insane clip from the BBC, and, as always, some crazy LGBT TikToks. If you're new here or you're a returning viewer, consider subscribing. It's been great growing this channel, and I'm so happy to have you all here with me. And I want to hear from you guys, and I also can always use the support to help fund this show. So if you leave a comment of $5 or more as a super thanks, I'll read your comment on next week's episode. And now, let's get into it. So up first, we've got to talk about this bombshell story from Tucker Carlson, you know, formerly of Fox News, who's now independent and doing a show on X. He just released an interview with a man, Larry Sinclair, who claims that he had sex with Barack Obama and did drugs with him in the 1990s. Take a look at this clip. You're just a guy who's in town for the night, and it sounds like you're looking to party. Yeah. Pulled up in a bar outside, and there's this guy that's introduced to me as Barack Obama. I had given Barack $250 to pay for coke. I start putting a line on a CD tray to snort, and next thing I know, he's got a little pipe and he's smoking. So I just started rubbing my hand along his thigh to see where it was going, and it went the direction I had intended it to go. Even though you had sex with him twice, you did cocaine with him, watched him smoke crack twice. You had no idea who he was. I had no idea who he was. Let me just ask the obvious question. What was Obama like on crack? Um, is, is it your sense that that's who Obama is, just transactional, or that he's bisexual, or like, what is this? It definitely wasn't Barack's first time, and I would almost be willing to bet you it wasn't as long. The guy's running for president, and credible information comes out that he's smoking crack and having sex with dudes. That seems like a story. Well, it would be a story if the media really cared about telling people the truth. That's right. Breaking news. Obama was the first gay president. And apparently a crackhead? Now, I watched this full interview so that you didn't have to, and I'm not happy that I have to report this, but... While Tucker Carlson has the capacity to be a great and difficult and critical interviewer when he wants to be, in this case, he just uncritically parroted claims from somebody that are, are really unsubstantiated and from somebody who's just not credible. After all, this isn't actually a new allegation. Larry Sinclair came forward with this in 2008, but because he was very sketchy in his background and had no evidence or corroboration of any meaningful kind, People basically ignored it. I'm not really sure why Tucker's deciding to recirculate it now because there's not any new news updates or evidence that somehow makes it newsworthy. Not really. I guess it's just an opportunity to bring in clicks and eyeballs with a salacious story. But the result was a deeply misleading interview that misled millions of viewers by omitting key facts and frankly betraying journalistic ethics. For one thing, when Carlson's introducing Sinclair and presenting his guest as credible, he mentions that Sinclair signed a sworn affidavit and took a lie detector test. Now, this is supposed to make us believe that his allegations are more serious. He's willing to put his pen to paper. He's willing to sign his name under 
penalty of perjury, and he was willing to sit down and take a lie detector test. But Carlson fails to mention that Sinclair failed that test. I don't understand why Tucker would have omitted that from the interview. It, it seems like a key detail, and omitting it really misleads the audience. I do want to be clear, though, that lie detector tests aren't actually dispositive. So the fact that he failed it doesn't mean what he said is false because it's highly disputed in scientific community whether lie detector tests are actually reliable. But to present the lie detector test as evidence of credibility and not mention the fact that he failed it is a dereliction of journalistic duty. The other key omission in Carlson's interview is that this guy who is accusing Obama has an extensive criminal history that includes forgery, fraud, and deceit. Here's how Ben Smith summarized Sinclair's criminal history, reporting for Politico back in 2008. Public records and court filings reveal that he has a 27-year criminal record with specialty in crimes involving deceit. The record includes forgery charges in two states, one of which drew Sinclair a 16-year jail sentence. The Pueblo County, Colorado Sheriff's Office also has an outstanding warrant for Sinclair's arrest for forging an acquaintance's signature and stealing her tax refunds. And Sinclair allegedly continued his criminal activity while he was in prison. Smith further reports, in prison, according to state records filed in federal court, Sinclair was disciplined 97 times for infractions including assault, threats, drug possession, intimidation, and verbal abuse, most recently in 1996. The political story also notes that Sinclair operated under 13 different aliases in Colorado. He had a bunch of fake names that he did business or was known as. And sorry, but that's not typically a sign of credibility or trustworthiness. Yet it was never mentioned in the Tucker interview. Those did briefly mention Sinclair's criminal history during the interview, but he kind of waved it away and he didn't get into any of the specifics about how it, it's not unrelated right? It specifically was crimes involving forgery and fraud and deceit. You'd think those details would be pretty relevant when we're trying to assess the credibility of somebody accusing a controversial political figure of both criminal and scandalous activity. It's also frustrating to me that in the 40 plus minute interview he presented to his millions of viewers, Carlson never reckons with just how implausible this story is. Back in 1999, when this event supposedly occurred, Obama was a sitting state senator. And both Obama's haters and his fans, they've always both acknowledged he's an extraordinarily ambitious guy, and he always has been. Very early on in his career, he had ambitions of higher office. So why would he be doing drugs and hooking up with strangers in public, cheating on his wife, casually with a complete stranger who is a man in 1999. Even if Obama was engaging in this type of behavior, and we don't have evidence of that, but he would be doing it in a much more discreet way than this. This doesn't make sense even at face value. So what we have here is an old, implausible allegation with no real evidence or corroboration from somebody who is not credible. That shouldn't be considered newsworthy, let alone credulously promoted as basically true to millions of viewers, which is what Tucker did. He didn't present this just as allegations even or just asking questions. I mean, at one point, he just objectively refers to Sinclair as the only person on this set who has had sex with Barack Obama. That's basically just promoting the allegations as fact. And in interviews elsewhere, Carlson has said that these allegations were obviously true, which 
I just don't know how you reached that conclusion based on everything we've heard. Obama was probably not America's first gay president, but even if he was, this story is a conspiracy theory with no evidence. It is not something that should be taken seriously or promoted credulously, and it is frankly a disgrace that Tucker Carlson did this interview in this manner. It's also a betrayal of journalistic ethics, and in fact, it echoes the very same behavior that Tucker has for a long time rightly decried on behalf of liberal media outlets when they do this kind of thing against right-wing political figures. Take a listen to this clip of Tucker talking about journalistic ethics. You often hear people say the news is full of lies, but most of the time that's not exactly right. Much of what you see on television or read the New York Times is in fact true in the literal sense. It could pass one of the media's own fact checks lawyers would be willing to sign off on it. In fact, they may have. But that doesn't make it true. It's not true. At the most basic level, the news you consume is a lie, a lie of the stealthiest and most insidious kind. Facts have been withheld on purpose, along with proportion and perspective. You are being manipulated. How does that work? Let's see. If I tell you that a man has been unjustly arrested for armed robbery, that is not, strictly speaking, a lie. He may have been framed. At this point, there's been no trial, so no one can really say. But if I don't mention the fact that the same man has been arrested for the same crime six times before, am I really informing you? No, I'm not. I'm misleading you. And that's what the news media are doing in every story that matters every day of the week, every week of the year. Now, think about what he just said. Does that not apply to this interview he just did? I think it applies 100%. Don't forget that the right, including Tucker Carlson repeatedly on many occasions, argued during the Brett Kavanaugh confirmation debacle that it wasn't fair to condemn or judge a political figure based on an allegation by one person with no evidence. This was, you remember, when Christine Blasey Ford accused Brett Kavanaugh of sexual assault back in his high school days. I agreed with figures on the right who said that we should have due process in the court of public opinion and not condemn people based on evidenceless and far-fetched allegations. Yet they're now taking a different standard, Tucker and his supporters, because it's Obama instead of a conservative judge. Even though, in that case, the accuser wasn't even a convicted fraudster. That's partisan hypocrisy, that's tribalism, that's a betrayal of principles, and frankly, it's not something I'll ever be on board with. Now, defenders of Tucker's approach are basically arguing that turnabout is fair play. Liberal media smears the right and acts without ethics, so we should do the same. Take a listen to what Tim Pool, a right-wing YouTuber, had to say about this very topic. Legitimate political reason. Well, uh, let me slow down. There's no le legitimate factual reason to interview a con artist and crackhead who's making these absurd claims. I'm not a fan of this. I wasn't a fan of it when they did it to Brett Kavanaugh. I'm not a fan of it now. That being said, I applaud Tucker Carlson for doing it. You know why? Welcome to the tit for tat world of politics. So to clarify, there's a political reason to do this, to attack the Democrats, I guess, to make them look like degenerates, to strike at the credibility of the Obamas, maybe to prevent Michelle Obama from gaining traction or to create just some negative press around the Obamas. Fine, whatever. Simply put, the Democrats the left and the media in this country entertained the most psychotic lies you could imagine about Brett Kavanaugh. Tucker Carlson is simply engaging in the exact same behavior. I completely disagree. 
Just because the other side is doing something doesn't mean it's ethical or okay for us to adopt the same tactics. Preschoolers are taught that two wrongs don't make a right. And frankly, I just need to live with myself at the end of the day. And that means I have to hold myself to a high ethical standard and be fair, even if other people aren't. Tucker Carlson and his allies, at least in this case, are becoming everything they say they hate about the liberal media. And that's something I want absolutely nothing to do with. All right, now it's time to talk about our woke neighbors up north. The Canadian government has just put out a frankly absurd advisory warning Canadians they should consider avoiding the United States due to our supposedly anti-LGBT laws. Take a listen to this coverage from Pink News. Should LGBTQ plus Canadians travel to the U.S.? Global Affairs Canada, which advises citizens on entry requirements and visas, as well as cultural and legal differences in other countries, updated the law and culture section of the travel advisory on Tuesday, the 29th of August, to caution Canadian travelers that some states have enacted laws and policies that may affect two SLGBTQI plus persons and advise them to check relevant state and local laws. The travel advisory warns, while you are traveling outside Canada, you are subject to and must follow the local laws of your destination country, even if these laws infringe on your human rights, as not all countries have the same values and legal system as Canada. In a comment to CBC News, a GAC spokesperson explained the update was linked to U.S. laws targeting members of the transgender community. We have professionals in the government whose job is to look carefully around the world and to monitor whether there are particular dangers to particular groups of Canadians. That's their job and it's the right thing to do. With some states placing severe restrictions on access to gender-affirming care, drag artists, and gender and sexual orientation education in schools, the updated travel advisory aims to enable Canadian travelers to make their own informed decisions as outside Canada, laws related to sexual orientation, gender identity, gender expression, and sex characteristics can be very different from those in Canada. I'm sorry, but this is just painfully dumb. We can debate the merits of each individual policy, but none of these anti-LGBT policies that are supposedly making it hostile for Canadians to come visit the United States, none of them have any bearing for a tourist. For example, the rules regulating sex segregation in sports or prohibiting trans women from competing with women in some areas or some schools I mean, that's just totally irrelevant to a tourist. You don't come visit the United States for a week and enroll your kid in high school swimming while you're there. In the same way, the restrictions on gender-affirming care for minors, while we can debate those restrictions, sure, those aren't relevant for a tourist. One does not simply stop by a CVS and just pick up some hormone pills to start a new regimen while they're out of town. No, a transgender tourist would be prescribed their medication at home and take it with them while they travel. I mean, you don't casually take your kid for a double mastectomy while you're vacationing on Florida at the beach. There just aren't any actual anti-LGBT policies in the United States that would have any bearing for Canadians visiting the country. So what's motivating this insane advisory then? On one hand, it's probably just woke virtue signaling. It's part and parcel of this thing they keep doing where they just need to find new ways constantly to signal how virtuous they are and how unlike those outdated conservative rubes down in America they are. But on another level, it's just part of a broader trend in LGBT activism of alarmism. I talked about this on the show before with the human rights campaign declaring a national emergency, unprecedented emergency in 2023. 
as if anyone actually believes LGBT rights are worse off today than in the 1980s. These tactics are really unfortunate because they only serve to discredit any legitimate complaints these people might have and needlessly scare people. It's also no way to do diplomacy with a neighboring country, especially one you economically rely on. All right, up next, the BBC is pushing something that honestly, like, I thought this couldn't be real. I thought this had to be a parody, but no. Take a listen to this video from BBC Ideas. My name is Amru Al-Khadi, or Glamru, and, I, and reading about quantum physics has really helped me understand my queer identity. Quantum physics is a beautiful, strange, and glorious sect of physics that looks at the subatomic particles that govern our world. Whereas classical Newtonian physics is obsessed with the universal formula that govern our reality. It's so fixed on resolute answers. Quantum physics reveals that there is no fixed reality and it's full of beautiful contradictions. What's so remarkable about quantum physics is the fact that what's happening on a subatomic level contradicts what we're actually seeing happening in reality. It shows us that reality is itself a construct and what's going on internally on a subatomic level belies what we're actually observing. Quantum physics to Newtonian physics is to me what queer theory is to heteronormativity, i.e. looking for normative constructs of society, male, female, of gender, of race, categorizing everything in a kind of neat, rigid way. I am very comforted by this as a queer person with no real fixed identity. It gives me immense hope that there's this model of the world, this real physical, philosophical model which shows us that reality is just a set of contradictions with no real fixed foundation. I'm sorry, but what the did I just watch? I'm obviously not going to try to speak to the physics stuff here because that is so not my lane and not something that I have uh, any ability to fully understand or try to analyze. But I can definitely tackle this as it's applied to queer theory. And in this part, at least, it really is just absolute gobbledygook anti-science gender ideology. Reality does exist. And while we might not always be able to perfectly comprehend it, we might evolve in our understanding over time. It's not true that just reality is just made up by everyone. Some things do exist. Male and female do exist. With extremely rare genetic variations and exceptions, all human beings have either XX or XY chromosomes and accordingly a whole suite of biological sex traits that go with those genetic combinations. This reality exists. You can't just wave it away with these pie-in-the-sky notions. I almost feel bad for this person, though, because they admit that their problem stems here from the fact that they have no fixed sense of identity. That's gotta be a really confusing and unpleasant place to find yourself in, but unfortunately, it's where gender ideology steers a lot of impressionable young people these days. The truth is, you are a biological male, and maybe you socially identify with lots of things that we traditionally consider feminine, maybe you've been diagnosed with gender dysphoria, I don't know. But the reality still exists, and I think you have to come to peace with it in order to move on or decide what's right for you, not try to deny it or claim that reality itself is a social construct. That's only going to make the rest of us look like you've gone mad, and I don't actually think it's going to help you come to a better place 
with your own sense of self. I also have to say, if I lived in the UK and I was forced to fund the BBC, I would find it so frustrating that my taxes or my fees were going to just publish and promote woke propaganda. There is no news value in this video. There's no educational value in this video. I think, honestly, most people who watch it would just come away feeling deeply confused. So why are they doing this? Why are they promoting this? Why are they using their platform for this? And why are they forcing citizens in the UK to fund this kind of thing? If I have any physicists in the audience, please do let me know your thoughts on this video in the comments. All right. Up next, this TikTok star had a bad time at a gay bar and posted a video of herself crying about it that quickly went mega viral. Let's hear this person explain what happened. Honestly, don't know what to do, but like, there was like a really bad experience. Basically, I was just getting a drink at the bar and they called both Azul and I ladies. After they were done making the drink, I went up and I, I was like, some people don't refer to themselves as ladies, but it's okay that you didn't know. And in a gay bar, so we should be safe. Too bad turned it around. They got so mad at me and they took the drink away from my wife and I. He hit the bar, like... Because he was like, are you serious? You're doing the same thing to me. How? And then they kicked us out. I didn't think that was gonna happen. Like, how am I supposed to feel? This was the first time that I've, like, told somebody I felt brave enough to tell somebody my identity. And I just wanted to let him know, and I told him it's okay that you didn't know. He was still mad at me for being myself and for my wife being themselves. Just hurt. We were kicked out so fast. And I tried talking to the other person. He came over and was like, what's going on? It was another straight white man. When I told him, he's just not respecting our identity. And I don't understand why. And he was like, you know what? Just leave. And I got kicked out of a bar. Technically supposed to be a queer bar, but it's just gay white men. <laughs> yes. Oh my god, it was supposed to be a positive experience. I felt so embarrassed. I want to let you know. Yeah. I am fucking furious. I'm livid. I know. I know. It's so bad. It's so bad. Like, imagine if I didn't accept you for just being gay. Dude, like, are you serious? And he's told me, I'm being a gentleman calling you a lady. That's not something bad. Like, I'm just sharing that part and I just wanted you to be like, okay, um, sorry. What would you like? What would you like to hear? And like, it's not like we even talk a lot. It felt like, like a dad, like yelling at you. Oh my God. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm gonna have some water and I'm okay. It's just... One more thing that I wanted to add is that he yelled at my wife and told them that he sees us as ladies and so he will always refer to us as ladies. Bye! And at the end of the day, transphobia within the community is so disgusting. I have so many thoughts on this video which, oh wow, is just wild. I mean, look, I'm sorry that you had a bad time, but you also clearly lack the functioning emotional stability of an adult. Somebody referred to you by a term that you don't like 
and now you're reduced to tears because you had a little bit of conflict and they weren't very polite about it. And then they asked you to leave the bar because you were being obnoxious and, and nagging the staff and then probably making a scene. Somebody who can emotionally regulate like an adult would maybe be annoyed by this incident, but would just go somewhere else, move on with their life, not melt down into tears like a toddler and post a almost three minute long meltdown on the internet, uh, basically crying for sympathy. And I'm not sure whether these tears are authentic or not, because I partly at least suspect that this is an attempt to emotionally manipulate audiences, right? Like TikTok narcissism is a very real thing. And you made a choice to post a video discussing this while sobbing uncontrollingly. Feels like an emotional guilt trip, like you're trying to force people to feel bad for you because look how upset you are, even though I'm not sure the facts in this situation are really at all on your side. I mean, you walked into a gay bar for gay men with this sense of entitlement to go there and expect them all to uh, adopt and predict your preferred ideology, even though it's incoherent, and your preferred vocabulary. I mean, it's literally a gay bar. They probably call everybody ladies, ironically. And it doesn't even make sense that you'd be mad about that because you say that you and your wife are non-binary, but you also call her your wife, which is a feminine gendered term. So wife is fine and dandy, but ladies is a verbal assault on your dignity. Huh? I mean, I just can't imagine being this distraught or let alone being a Karen and going to nag employees about somebody referring to me with something that's not accurate or not quite how I want to be described myself. The number of times I've had interactions with people where they assume I have a girlfriend or a wife or they say something gendered like that and I just have to politely say, oh no, actually I have a boyfriend, I have a partner, he's this, like it's not that big a deal. I think you need to work on this. I think, and I'm not trying to be mean, I, I think you need to get help and, and work on this emotional resiliency because the world's not a, a fluffy rainbow covered place where everyone's going to coddle your feelings 100% of the time. And if you melt down and are this distraught over something this minor, you're in for a tough time ahead, my friend. Also, the cheap shots at white gay men in this video are so telling. You didn't experience transphobia, honey, especially because non-binary shouldn't even legitimately be considered trans. You were just obnoxious in public and you got a negative reaction for it. Then you went on TikTok and posted an, an emotionally manipulative video of yourself distraught in tears, filling your eyes because you wanted sympathy, even though you didn't really deserve it. I'm not trying to be cold or callous here. I really do try to approach these videos with empathy and nuance when I can, but I'm just not buying it. I just don't really feel bad for this person. They need to grow up. And you know what? Start your own bar if you need a safe space for non-binary TikTokers where nobody will ever say a word that hurts your fifis. But don't come crying to us again because you can't conduct yourself like an adult. All right, up next, it's everybody's favorite part of the podcast where I react to insane LGBT-related TikToks. Up first, this one is uh, quite a doozy. Every single alter is an individual person. It's not all extensions of the self, all extensions of the host type thing. We are all individual people. We just happen to share a body. So one of your alters not being trans while the rest of them are, that doesn't invalidate anyone's gender. Doesn't invalidate 
your trans alters. If one alter isn't trans, it doesn't invalidate your cisgender alter if your other alters are transgender. Because gender isn't a set-in-stone biological thing. Gender is a perception, and every single person has their own identity and their own perception of gender. So it stands to reason that not all of your alters are going to have the same gender, and that even if the majority of your alters are trans, not all of them will be. Um, so I would say that in regards to any physical transitions, such as HRT, surgeries, name changes, anything like that, uh, talk to all of your alters and essentially put it to a vote, get a general consensus from everyone. Um, and there are ways to accommodate um, alters of every gender in regards to uh, surgeries and HRT and stuff like that. So uh, a lot of us are masculine, but a lot of us are feminine. Um, so we have a very large chest. We are gifted in that department, supposedly, according to some. Uh, so even though a lot of us want, us want our body to get full top surgery, a double mastectomy, no more boobs, where you would only likely get a breast reduction so that way when masculine alters are fronting, we can wear a binder. But when feminine alters are fronting, they can wear a push-up bra and everyone's happy. So there are ways to accommodate and there is a way to have that sort of happy medium. But the ultimate thing to keep in mind with this is even if one of your alters is, in your words, detransitioning, that does not invalidate your gender and that does not invalidate anyone else's gender. So, wow. This person seems to be claiming to experiencing something called Dissociative Identity Disorder, or DID, which is an extremely rare mental health condition where a person feels as if there are multiple people trapped inside one body. They have different alters, which are the people that are inside them, and one is fronting at each time, meaning it's the one actively experiencing the world and making the decisions. I recently watched the show The Crowded Room with Tom Holland, and it explores this disorder, and it's really interesting. It's incredibly, incredibly rare, though, yet tons of people are suddenly claiming to have it on TikTok which eh, many are, are probably faking. Some have been exposed as faking, or others are just confused. But this video discusses the intersection of trans issues with mental health conditions, one of the most extreme being DID. And let me just say that this person is clearly experiencing tremendous mental distress, so I don't want anyone to send them any negativity or any hate. We should all just be wishing them well. That said, millions of young people have been exposed to this type of content, pushing DID and pushing different, how it intersects with gender ideology in different ways, and I find that deeply concerning. The idea that somebody would ever be medically transitioned while experiencing such profound mental and emotional instability is just insane to me. How can you possibly make a life-altering, potentially, decision to alter your body, to have surgeries or go on hormones that make irreversible changes when you're in such a in unstable place. I don't know, man, but no sane doctor should ever provide this kind of care 
to somebody experiencing this when parts of the people that are inside them uh, uh, supposedly aren't even trans, but just one or some of them are. Yet, I mean, under the affirming care model advocated by many progressive trans activists, you've just got to accept whatever a person says their gender identity is if you're a healthcare provider. You can't scrutinize it or try to resolve it through other means. They would call that conversion therapy. You've just got to take the patient's word as gospel and accept and affirm their identity. And I guess this would be the logical conclusion of that approach, which is just bonkers to me. I, I don't know how else to put it. It's nuts. But frankly, I feel like we'd be failing young people by just accepting their disconnections with reality blindly and then failing to really inform them about the risks and potential consequences of medically transitioning your body. I'm wishing this person all the best. I hope that they find happiness and peace with whatever they do, but I'm really concerned about the intersection of these two areas and how it's spreading like wildfire in some pockets of the internet. Up next, this woke TikToker says parental rights aren't a thing. This infectious idea that's taking over of this idea of parents' rights, that parents have a right to know. They have a right to know if their child is going by a different name or using different pronouns in school. And the thing that keeps hitting me about this is that parents don't have rights, not parents' rights. Kids have rights. Individuals have rights. So this person is from Canada, but we actually are seeing the same issue crop up here and in the U.S., we do have legally recognized parents' rights. And I absolutely do believe parents should be kept informed of what's going on with their kids at school. I mean, we would inform parents if the kids stubbed their toe and got a Band-Aid in the nurse's office. Yet some people are actually arguing that a kid could transition or announce different pronouns and they just keep that a secret from the parents. Society gives parents a really tremendous duty to ensure for their kids' well-being and I don't see how they could possibly really live up to that duty if they don't even know what's going on with their kid. How can they do what's best for their kid if they don't know what's going on with their kid? Especially when something like changing pronouns is indicative potentially of gender dysphoria, which is a serious medical condition that they need to be able to get their kid care for and get their kid analyzed. And I don't see how they can do any of that if they don't even know what's going on. It's just ludicrous. Kids do not belong to the government. And schools should not, maybe with very rare exceptions, be keeping secrets from parents. When secrets are kept from parents between a child and a third party, that's often a red flag and it creates a kind of gray dangerous zone where sometimes bad things happen as a result. Because parents are the ultimate watchdog for their kids' safety, so while some people trying to do this probably have good intentions, Others, when they do seek to keep secrets from parents between them and a child, are doing it because they have nefarious intentions. I do have to acknowledge one thing, though, where I disagree with some Republicans and conservatives and their laws and policy proposals on this. I think any policy or rule or law addressing this, mandating disclosure, it needs to have some sort of exception or carve out for situations where there's credible reason to believe or the student really credibly does believe that informing their parents of this will put them in physical danger. You'd think it wouldn't be the case in 2023, but unfortunately, it still is in some places and some pockets where there are probably still some families out there 
where a kid would face physical violence or being disowned or being kicked out because they were exposed to their parents as having identified as transgender or announcing different pronouns. In those cases, it would be really wrong for the schools to inform the parents. But again, I mean, maybe the kid would just say that. So what I think you'd have to have is some sort of exception where child services are brought in and if they're really making this allegation, they'd be physically unsafe. It's investigated. And if it's found to be untrue, then the parents are informed. But if it is true, then the parents do not need to be informed. And clearly, there's a broader picture with child services that would need to be resolved there. So I don't think you can just have a 100% in every case, parents must disclose policy. But I think in almost every case, parents should 100% be kept in the loop with what's going on with their kids. Up next, one woke TikToker with millions of followers was very upset, very unhappy with the new movie Red, White, and Royal Blue because the actors playing the two gay main characters happen to be heterosexual. Let's take a listen to this very serious, not at all first world problems complaint. Don't you just love when they cast two straight actors to play two gay characters when there's a ton of gay actors out there that are looking for roles but are told there's no roles for them? And for anyone saying that this is not that big of a deal and they don't owe us anything about their sexuality, queer kids are literally being forced out of the closet and there is a record number of anti-LGBTQ legislation happening in this country right now. So it is kind of a big deal. And queer baiting, in my opinion, is unnecessary and totally avoidable, which is what this movie is doing. Because these actors are afforded the privilege to say that they don't like to talk about their personal lives so that they get to use this queer moment. Because as Samantha Jones says in Sex in the City, first come the gays, then come the girls, then come everybody else. And Hollywood has no problem shutting the door over on queer movies, queer characters, queer anything, but has no problem taking two straight cute boys and using them to sell a gay movie. Make it make sense. This is so dumb. Guess what? The actor isn't a member of the royal family either, although that's what he is in the movie, because it's acting. I mean, this woke, identity-obsessed worldview, it, it would literally destroy acting as we know it. If people can only literally play the things they actually are in real life, then that defeats the entire purpose of acting, which fundamentally is about pretending to be something you aren't. I mean, also, do people like this want gay actors to only be able to play gay characters? Do they want them to be uh, typecast and limited and only uh, put in that one box? Because that's the logical conclusion of what they're advocating for. Yet that would have done tremendous harm to gay actors like Neil Patrick Harris, who is gay but played Barney and many other straight characters on hits like uh, how I Met Your Mother and had a very successful acting career doing just that. That would be apparently offensive or straight baiting or whatever this guy finds offensive about the other situation. Well, you gotta be consistent. I personally think that all actors should be able to act and pretend to be things they aren't. You know, because that's literally what actors do. And while we're at it, I also think TikTokers with millions of followers should stop getting outraged and posting this kind of dumb nonsense about minor frivolous things and maybe focus on some real problems. Up next, we've got another TikTok narcissist, folks. Two things to know. I'm non-binary, I go by they, them, and I work in a store that is pretty much all women. So whenever they're like addressing us or when they're talking, they're always like, hey ladies. So I've taken it upon myself as someone that is non-binary to use this 
uh, to not listen. And whenever anyone addresses a group as ladies, I am not included. So when they say, hey, ladies, let's like stop talking or hey, ladies, let's like get to work. I will do none of it because you're not talking to me. You're not talking to me. You're not talking to me. So I will not listen to anything that is said when it is started with, hey, ladies, I'm a lady, not a lady, a lady. Oh, my gosh. Vady isn't a word. It's never going to be a word. Nobody's ever going to call you that. And like, is this not the most first world problems thing you've ever heard about? Oh my gosh. I just can't imagine. I just cannot relate to being this emotionally fragile and relying on external validation in every verbal tick for my own sense of self to not implode in real time. Guess what? People say, hey, guys, when they're not talking about all guys, they say, hey, ladies, when they're talking to a bunch of ladies, which I'm sorry, you are a lady. I mean, but it doesn't even sound like when they're speaking to you individually, they're not using your pronouns or anything. It sounds like you're just literally expecting them to adopt their language to accommodate you for no apparent reason. And honestly, you sound like a terrible employee who's openly admitting to not focusing on their work or doing their job and not listening to the things your bosses say. So I am not wishing for this, but I would find it kind of ironic if your bosses saw this TikTok and fired your ass. Part of this really does come back to just like being unpleasant to be around, like just imposing yourself on others and being annoying and demanding. And I just think that these folks are not really setting the stage for their own acceptance when they take this kind of approach that's just, it comes off very obnoxious and demanding of others and kind of like you never, no one ever wants to be around or work with that person where you constantly feel like you're walking on eggshells and you're making yourself that person and you really don't need to be that person. Just identify however you identify, ask people politely, and you know what? Don't make a scene or don't sabotage your workplace because minor word choice isn't exactly in line with how you'd like it to be. That's not setting you up for success in life or happiness because frankly, if you want to be happy, I think you need to get to a, a place where you're confident in yourself and you don't need the minor verbal affirmations from random people all the time. Also, stop posting on TikTok. You no, know, you don't have to. Just stop. All right, for this last one, this alpha male influencer has interesting thoughts about the gays. Take a listen. People ask me all the time, Alpha King Nima, how could I get respect? And I tell them, bravery. I once had an employee open up to our entire team in the office that he was gay. Well, our entire team respected him for it. I still fired him though, because I was worried that it would be contagious and I didn't want it to infect the rest of our team. So I still have a lot of respect for him. <laughs> Alpha King rule number 11, respect equals bravery and vice versa. Hold up. Does this guy really unironically refer to himself as Alpha King? This is a video from self-described Alpha King influencer Nima Yamini. And look, I just find it crazy how deeply uncomfortable some of these alpha male red pill types are with the fact that some dudes are gay. Like, trust me, sweetie, the gay guys, they're not looking at you. You're not their type. There's really no need for you to be uncomfortable around them, let alone discriminatory and firing people because of who they are. 
Also, depending on what state this happened in and when it happened, my man's here may have just confessed to a crime. It's been illegal in some states to fire someone because they are gay for some time now, and it actually somewhat recently became illegal nationwide. So depending on where and when he did this, homeboy's on tape admitting to a criminal act or to a, an act that violates civil law, at least. I do feel like I've gotten a little off track here. Being gay is not contagious. It's not COVID. It's not Miss Rona. So, so many straight men have spent time around gay people, worked with gay people, and they don't suddenly find themselves checking out other dudes' butts. If you're straight and you're around a gay dude and you find yourself suddenly taking a look at his ass in those jeans or whatever, it's not that the gayness is contagious. It's that your straightness was never all that straight to begin with. And I can't help but think that maybe that's where a lot of this insane insecurity from some of these alpha male red pill types is really coming from. All right, guys, that's it for the crazy TikTok content. And that's it for this episode of the Damage Control Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please drop a like, comment, let me know your thoughts, consider subscribing. This channel's growing really fast and I cannot wait to have more of you join us over here. By the way, if you want to support the show, sometimes it gets demonetized by YouTube. So what you can do is you can drop a comment with super thanks of $5 or more. It'd be greatly appreciated. And I'll even read your comment on next week's show. Thanks so much for tuning in and I'll see you all next week.